Welcome to the NECF Podcast, where we share our weekly sermons and faithfully interpret the Bible to encourage and direct you on your spiritual path. We're our devoted pastors and special guests delve into the depths of the Bible, exploring its profound lessons and useful applications for your daily life. Amen. The message of Christmas is that God became man. Join us as we explore the timeless truth that have the power to change people's hearts and minds, promoting a closer relationship with God and a firm belief in His promises. A historic background of Christmas. And then we are going to uh, look at the message of Christmas. Amen. Historic background, just a synopsis of a history of Christmas. And then we are going to look at what the message of Christmas is. And I trust that we'll go home with the message of Christmas. And we'll be able to pass out the message of Christmas to all men around us. In Jesus' name. So, I will say this very clear. That is an... I am plagiarizing an article written about three or four years ago by our own very great researcher, by excellence, Pastor Victor. So in case you, 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 you hear what I'm saying sounding familiar, similar, then you should know the author. I'm crediting him now so that I will not be penalized. Hallelujah. So, what is the origin of Christmas? What is the what is the foundation, or what is the origin of Christmas? First of all, Christmas is not in the Bible. Hope we know that. So, in case you are here and you want a scriptural reference, there's no Greek or Hebrew that explains the word Christmas. So, I am not going to do that today, right? But then, it's not fundamentally a Christian right. It can be traced from the Roman pagan festival called the Saturnalia. If you want to spell it, it's S-A-T-U-R-N-A-L-I-A, Saturnalia. Yeah. Commemorated in honor of Saturn. Saturn is a god, the god of harvest and agriculture. Hallelujah. So that's why you see trees the god of harvest and agriculture. It was an idolatrous midwinter festival that was characterized largely by immoral behaviors such as drinking. Is it familiar? Such as drinking, partying, gambling, and nudity. That is what vibes up the, the celebration of of this festival. This has been in practice for many centuries before Christ was born. So Christmas was practiced before Christ was born. So Jesus Christ is not, his birth is not the institution of Christmas. In case you're knowing this for the first time, 
I think it will do you a lot of good. Right? So this practice has been done centuries even before Christ was born. Actually, December 25th is celebrated annually as the birthday of the sun god. Ah, the sun god celebrated on the 25th of December. It is in time when the sun returns from the southern hemisphere, which is marked by short daylight and long night. It is referred with, it is referred with different names. Winter solstice. if you did geography from your high school, you remember this very clear. Winter solstice, midwinter, extreme winter, shortest day or shortest, yeah. So how did Christmas become a Christian celebration? That's what we need to understand. How did Christmas, now there was an idolatry, you know, form of practice, became a Christian celebration? The exact date of 25th, a celebration of Christmas was officially established by the Catholic Church in the 14th century. Exact day of 25th of December was chosen on the, you know, by the Catholic Church in the fourth of in the first century. This decision was made by Pope Julius I, who chose December 25th as the official date for the celebration of the birth of Jesus in order to coincide with the existing Roman holiday of Sol, Sol Invictus, which was a festival in honor of the Roman sun god. So this is a context to where we are today. Now they incorporated the idolatrous festival and relabel it with Christ's name, Christ Mars. Sometimes, because people are offended with the name Christ, they put X. In our era now, they put X. And they call it the Christmas. Yeah? To make it comfortable for those who convert into Christianity. Who did not want to give up the big annual pagan festival. So, they just try to reform you know, a practice. into they, they Christianize the practice of the sun god into the Christian organized religion. Because they still want to serve their carnal, they still want to do their carnal practices. Others reports say, other reports say the church did that because they found it very dangerous to honor Jesus' birth under Roman rule that they may be punished by death. These are what some writers said. However, the case may be, we know the origin of Christmas is not of God. Neither was a practice, was it practiced by the early church. You can never see in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, 25th December as a day for the practice of, uh, for the celebration of Christmas. Jesus never thought about it. You know, what we said, we used to say here is that for you to find a practice in church, for something to become a doctrine, it has to be prophesied in the Old Testament, taught by the prophets, Psalms, and then we see it emphasized by Jesus himself when he was here on earth. Afterwards, we see the apostles, you know, practice it in the early church. They taught about it in their letters and then their practices. 
But in the entire Bible, the Bible will not have made a mistake to omit 25th December if it's that very, very special for us as a day to celebrate. Obviously, we are doing ours on the 24th. So it makes it even much more unique. So it is not in your Bible. Jesus never thought about it. None of the apostles thought about Christmas. There is no record in the Bible that the early church also celebrated Christmas. None. The fact that the practice has been perpetuated and popularized for centuries does not make it God's inspiration. Anything you do, question it. Investigate it. Don't just do things because everybody's doing it. Ask it. Know why it is done. We can't afford to follow the world. That, so you, you shouldn't be surprised that when you go out here, you see Christmas trees all over. In Cyprus, you say, ah, these people are celebrating Christmas. They didn't, it's you that don't know what Christmas is. They know what they are celebrating. You are the one that is ignorant of what Christmas is. They know what they are celebrating. The world knows exactly what they are celebrating. So when you want to celebrate what the world is celebrating, you have to understand what they are celebrating. Your Jesus, my Jesus, was not born on the 25th of December. We'll see that later. So the fact that it was made a popular celebration does not mean that his inspiration is by God. The Bible admonishes us in Jeremiah 10 verse 2. It says, learn not the way of the heathen. That we shouldn't practice the way of unbelievers. We shouldn't practice the way of unbelievers. So, we must stop telling children lies about Christmas. The way they told us. Santa. Hmm? Santa Claus. As a believer, we must stop that lie. In fact, you shouldn't pass. The lie they gave you, don't pass it to the next generation. Only the truth sets us free in Jesus. Hallelujah. So what did the Bible say about the birth of Jesus? What did the Bible say about the birth of Jesus? There is no place in the Bible that states the day Jesus was born. There is no place in the Bible how many of us have been following the canonicals till now? We have some few days to finish reading the Bible for one year. Did you see any day exactly with date when Jesus was born? If it was that important for us, it could have been recorded specifically for us to not and celebrate. Hallelujah. So, it is because it is not of importance. The day is not of importance. If not, some people will turn that day to, to what? They will turn it to a religious uh, idolat. They will turn that day to a special day. If you are born that day, probably they call you Emmanuel. Emmanuel. So there's no place in the Bible that gives us exactly the day that Jesus was born. When the angel announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, 
They were tending their flocks at night in the field of Judea. Imagine they were tending their flocks when? In the night, in this winter. Jesus was born around this region, right? So imagine the angel appeared to shepherds in this winter. Tending their ships in the bush in the winter, in this cold. Story is not balanced. Are we together? There's no accuracy. A smart and intelligent person will say this story is not adding up. It's truly not adding up. Because shepherds go out in the field in the summer, not in the winter. Are we together? So it wouldn't or it cannot be, based on this one fact, it couldn't be 25th December. If that time was truly winter, as I said, around 25th December, those shepherds will not have been found at night with their flocks in an open field in Judea. The winter is characterized by a pierce, rainy, and cold weather. This therefore informs us that the real Jesus must have been born in sometimes other than the winter period. Now, I didn't say he was born in the summer. So don't hear what I'm not saying. Right? I just speculated. But I didn't say Jesus was born in the summer. Some say he was probably born around Easter period, which I actually agree a little bit with that version of the story. That's why some, uh, some religious sects celebrate Christmas in April, right? I think it's the Russian, Russian Orthodox also. I can't remember exactly. They celebrate Christmas in April also. So do we need to celebrate Christmas or any other day as special? Since I have... I've canceled Christmas Day. Right? I have nullified the celebration of 25th December. So please, there's nothing special about tomorrow. If you have work, go to work. If you have exams, read for your exams. Right? It's not, nothing special. Every day is special. Certain days in the Old Covenant, such as a sab Sabbath, and many other festivals in Leviticus 23, you see the days listed, were celebrated as special holy days. But they are a shadow of what was to come. And what is the reality? The reality is who? Is Christ. Hallelujah. The reality is Christ. Christ has come and brought us into the will of God, making every day of our lives special and holy. Amen? Every single day of our lives is special and holy. Do you know why the day is special and holy? Because you are holy. You are the one that makes the day holy. Because you are the holy ones. So there's no any special day or special month. In fact, January is not a special month. Because some people, once it's January 1st, they need to enter some special, of special prayers, some special fastings for 90 days. Every day is a holy day because you are a holy person. Hallelujah. So we cannot live any longer in the shadow. The reality has come and it's Christ. There's nothing special and holy about December 25th. I repeat it again. There's nothing special and holy about <laughs> December 25th. Colossians 2 verse 16. Give me in the NIV, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. 
Colossians, yes. So let no one judge you in food. Am I yeah? Therefore, not do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival like Christmas, huh? A new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. For some people that say ah, it must be on Saturday that we worship. You see this? Sunday or Saturday. In fact, even Wednesday. Do you know that in some countries, they don't have a Sunday is a new working day, right? In Dubai, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, in Israel. Sunday is the first day of the week. So they start their day on Sunday. So you cannot afford to use your religious mindset. And think that, oh, Saturday or Sunday is the only holy day. Every day is holy. Sabbath is a reality. It's a status we've entered in Christ. That is the rest. So, those days were given as a shadow of what will come. And the reality is Christ. And you have the reality in Christ. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day, verse 17. These are what? A shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found where? In Christ. Hallelujah. So, for the Christian, every day is a special day. For the believer, every day is a holy day. Every day is a special day and every day is a holy day. He celebrates God's goodness when? Every day. Not at the first December, cross over night. Because that's when some people have, ah, now let me just, what God has done through the year, January, February, ah, I need to give thanks on 31st. If not next year, we'll not, no, no, no. Every single day is a good day. Every single day is a holy day. Every single day is a special day. Hallelujah. So, if Jesus' birthday is not so special that the Bible will put it for us and act it for us as a rule, I want to remind you that your own birthday too is not that special like that. So, when people forget your birthday, don't be offended. That's by the way. You don't have to wait for a birthday to celebrate your wife or your mom or your dad or your friend or your pastors or your friend, whoever. Every day makes it a special day. Hallelujah. I've offended somebody. For the Christians, I say, every day is a special and a holy day. He celebrates God's goodness every day of his life and Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came into the world, born by a virgin, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, and rose again for our redemption. Amen? And this needs to be celebrated daily. So every day is Christmas. Every day is celebration. Celebration of what? Of the grace that we've received in Christ Jesus. What then should be our attitude? What then should be our attitude? As Christians, do we regard those who celebrate Christmas as sinners? What should be our attitude towards the celebration of the day? How should we celebrate? How, what kind of attitude should we keep towards the, the celebration? Our level of light and revelation 
Some of us are knowing this probably for the first time, but having this knowledge and this understanding should help you to live in love. Are we together? Because once upon a time you were in ignorance. So if you were treated badly or you were maligned because of your ignorance, then you wouldn't have grown to where you are to know the truth. So as we keep growing, we keep knowing the truth, we keep becoming much more humble and loving and accommodating to people that are of, you know, weaker understanding as, as we do. So our level of light and revelation is not the same. Many people who celebrate Christmas don't know of its pagan origin, as many of us. We don't know of its pagan origin. We must be gracious to bear with those who are weak in faith. Celebrating Christmas, therefore, does not make them sinners. Amen? Except if they engage in activities that they do. Right? On the day of the celebration of the God of God, the Son God. But they are not sinning for celebrating Christmas. Except they do activities that do not glorify God. While many immoral behaviors such as fornication, adultery, wild parties, drunkenness increase during Christmas period. I want to tell you why it increases. You know the origin. There's a spirit that informs the activities within that region. Price for alcohol goes, consumption actually, top notch. People spend money on useless things. That's a, an, an entire economy has been created around that festival. Don't be a culprit of that. You know. I think Christmas is the most expensive holiday. Right? In the world. People, there are some people that they just wait for that season as well. They wait for the next year. They, their business is just Christmas to Christmas. They become wealthy by selling you trees and lights. Decorations. Fireworks. You know. Chocolates. You eat, 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 eat until you get overweight. And then some it's a terrible moments for chickens and turkey. <laughs> I know anything small, you kill chicken. I see if he's the one that crucified Jesus. He only made a sound. And the son was even just once. And you marked him out for crucifixion. So while all this evil happened, good things also happen during Christmas period. Isn't it? People show love one to another during Christmas period. You know, reunions happen during Christmas period. Families travel from a long distance. If you come from the culture I come from, it's time to go to the village. But sometimes people go to the village to show that they've been better in the past year, to show their neighbor that they are better, to show their friends that they go and oppress people in the village. So many good things happen too, right? For example, many people have come to know Jesus Christ and receive salvation on Christmas church services and outreaches, isn't it? Good things happen during Christmas period. Others get gifts and aids and put smiles on 
and their faces and hope in their lives. Also, relationships of many families have been fostered during Christmas period as they use the period to reunite since many organizations and schools have holidays during Christmas period, except Cyprus. We must not judge anyone, right? We will be sinning if we judge them for what they do, except if what the practice they're doing is, is totally against the will and the purpose of God. Merely not celebrating Christmas does not make you spiritual. Because some of us would think, ah, no, no, no. We don't do Christmas again. I want, I'm spiritual because I don't do Christmas. There are some churches where we come from, they don't, they don't celebrate Christmas because they had a knowledge of what Christmas is, so they don't do it. So now nah, these people are spiritual people. But there's another one they do. I will not mention it. That one too. We'll talk about it when the season comes. Mary. So, we mustn't judge, right? And celebrating Christmas doesn't make any man carnal either. Except you engage in carnal activities. We will term you as the way Paul will term them carnal because of the activities. So whether we celebrate Christmas or not, doesn't make us or mar us because we are in Christ. Romans chapter 4 verse 1 to 7. Give me Romans 14 rather. Romans 14 verse 1 to 7 in the NIV. Romans 14 verse 1 to 7. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. These disputable matters are matters that can be ignored, right? For example, and they are not the core of our faith. You can't come and tell me that Jesus Christ is an angel. Now we'll dispute this one. You understand? We'll argue this one till, in fact, I can put my life on the line for this one. There's no argument that Jesus is not God. We, we, I can remove cloth for this one. But if the person says, ah, Christmas, this, you, you can don't, don't just let it be, right? It's not an important thing. Hmm? One man's faith allows him to eat everything. I don't want to give a story here of what happened to me personally. But another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. So being a vegetarian doesn't make you spiritual. You're only doing dieting. You're just managing this container and it will still perish. To sit there. You are not going anywhere with it. But take care of it. Be a good maintainer of God's gift. This body is a gift. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not. And the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him in Christ. Are we together? God has accepted him in Christ. Who are you to judge someone's else servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. And he will stand for the Lord is able to make him what? Stand. Verse 5. One man considers one day more sacred than, than another. Why? Because of weakness. Right? Another man considers every day alike like me. And you. And I want you to have this mind. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does, does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord. 
For he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us live to himself alone. And none of us dies to himself alone. Hallelujah. Is my message balance. Right? So, from this context, what then is a message of Christmas? What then is a message of Christmas? The message is that God became man. It's unbelievable. It's too, it's too untrue to believe. How can God, who created the universe, become man? You see, this fact is what differentiates our faith and all other faith upon the face of the earth. You mean God became man? You mean he was born like a baby? He did all the things that baby did those... Don't think that Jesus did not cry. Oh. Don't think that Jesus did not cry like all other babies. The one I can say is he didn't fall sick. That one I believe he didn't fall sick. Right? But all the things that babies did, he did. The temptations, all the temptations you pass through. The Bible says that he passed through all of them. So if you think that one brother is disturbing you because he... You, Jesus also passed through the same temptation. All those fine, fine Palestinian girls. So he was a normal human being. Are we together? Your God became a man. If you have problem with this, then you will certainly have problem with the faith. If this reality, you know, you try to explain to people, you know, Jesus is God. But They'll tell you now, do you mean that? So you mean your Jesus went to the toilet? Yes, he went to the toilet. <laughs> so you mean he did all this because that's the argument they will bring. He was 100% man. We cannot argue about the reality about God becoming man. Because if God did not become man, then we wouldn't be here, gathered here to do what? The Christmas will not even be celebrated. Are we together? So God became man is the message of Christmas. Hallelujah. The divine became man. He existed. Now, first of all, let's understand. You know, in the course of, I think, two weeks ago, someone was having issue with the, 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 the idea of the birth of Jesus. Because a man of God said Jesus was never born. Wow, it's true. He says Jesus was never born. Now, you say this person is in error. Contextually, Jesus was not actually born. Because for a man to be born, there, will, there must be what? Male and female who come together and give birth to a child. So, when a, a, a child was just born on his own, then we have to investigate and do we call that conception? Do we call that a natural birth? Contextually, what he is meaning is that Jesus existed before he was born. Are we together? So, the beginning of Jesus was not in the womb of Mary. Amen? 
So the womb of Mary was the only channel by which she can enter this world and manifest. If you look through scripture, scripture says he manifested. There's a difference between he manifested in the flesh and that he was born like natural birth. So if he manifested, then believe me that he was somewhere before he manifested. Hallelujah. So he existed before he was born. That's what we call the pre-incarnation if you want to be theological. In the song earlier on, I saw they put on the screen incarnation. Now, this is what we call pre-incarnation. Incarnation means the divine became man. Before he became man, he was divine. And even in his humanity, he's still divine. Amen? So, the story of Jesus coming to this divinity and humanity coming into union. And for a purpose. And we'll see the purpose subsequently. So, Jesus existed before he was born. He was not created. Jesus was not created. Jesus was never created. John chapter 1 verse 1. Give me John chapter 1 verse 1 in the New King James. Quickly, we'll just read through and see the testimony of John. John chapter 1 from verse 1 to 14. Now, this is, he's speaking here concerning Jesus Christ. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, when he talks about the beginning, we're meaning what? The beginning of all things. Presumably, we can, of course, we can trace to the book of Genesis. Let's allow the beginning as the book of Genesis. Right? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was where? Was with God. And the word was what? Was God. Verse 2. He was with God where? In the beginning. So before the beginning started, he, he was. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming, was what? Was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born, what? Of God. The word, now this is where now, you see, he was speaking the word, the word, the word. Now, he explained the word. Now, the word became what? Became flesh. The word became flesh. The word takes on flesh. The divine took flesh, took the physical body, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only, who came from where? From the Father. 
full of grace and of truth. Now, this is a testimony of a man that I've stayed with him. They've seen him physically. They've touched him. They know that he existed in history. Hallelujah. John chapter, yes. Um, give me verse chapter 3, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 13. John chapter 3, verse 13. We're trying to see that Jesus existed before he was born. No one has ever gone into the heavens except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. So here, see, take note of the word, the son of man. We'll look at the son of man. It says, no one has ever gone into heaven. This is Jesus himself speaking here, right? Except the one who came from heaven, which means that Jesus did not come from, his origin is not the womb of Mary. So he came from heaven, the son of man, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the snake on the desert, so the son of man must be lifted up. Okay, talking about the prophecy of what he will achieve. Yeah. Chapter 6, verse 41. Chapter 6, verse 41. I'll read down to verse 62 as well to see. At this, the Jews, the Jewish people began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You see, they always have a problem with Jesus Christ when he told, when he, he informed them of his identity. You always have challenge with him. Verse 42. They said, is, it, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourself, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father sent, who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets. They will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert. Yet they died. But there is the bread that comes down from heaven. The bread that comes down from heaven. Which a man may eat and not die. What is eat? What is eat? Belief. Alright. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews became so, began, began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this dude... Give us his flesh to eat. Is it crazy? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living, the living father sent, sent, sent me and I live because of the father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is a bread that came down from heaven. You see, he's always making reference to where he came down. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. You will live forever if you eat this bread. 
you will not die. You will never lose your salvation. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, 61. Yes. On hearing, okay, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can understand? Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? So, where was he before? The womb of Mary? Huh? So, the womb of Mary was never his origin. It was from above. Chapter 8, verse 48. Chapter 8, verse 48. Chapter 8, verse 48 to 59. The Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a, you are a Samaritan and a demon possessed? I am pos I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus. But I honor my father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself. But there is one who seeks it and he is a judge. I tell you the truth. If anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. At this, the Jews exclaimed, now we know that you are a demon possessed. Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that if anyone keeps your word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father, Abraham? He died. And so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Who are you? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father whom you claim as your God is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. Why do I know him? If I said I did not, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. Uh-huh. He rejoiced, right? He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old. The Jew said to him, and you have seen Abraham. Ah, ah. Ah, he take no. How did you know that Abraham, you, you are not even up to, Jesus was barely 30 that time. 30. How, you say you saw Abraham. How did you see him? You that we know your father, we know your mother, you know your, your brothers, we know, you that you are even born out of wedlock. You know your story. Something happened, and now you use story to cover the same angel. Ah, you that you're even a carpenter. This is not you that we came to, to collect chair from the other day. Or oh, table. Say you see, saw Abraham. How? You're not even up to 30. You're not even up to 50. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Old Testament words. I am. At this, they pick up stones. You see, this is where they have anger issues. They pick up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple ground. Hallelujah. So Jesus Christ here defended where he was. Before Abraham, I am. Before Mary was Jesus. So the origin of Jesus Christ can never be in his conception in the womb of Mary. He pre-existed. He, pre he, he, he existed before he was born. Hallelujah. So what do we say about his humanity? 
God became a man. God, who existed before, appeared, manifested in the flesh. Philippians 2, verse 5. Philippians 2, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who been in very nature. Look at his nature. Who been in very nature God. The Bible didn't say he was like God. Are we together? If you say like God, we we'll say, ah, my little knowledge of English will say it's a comparison. He's like, you know, the Bible says we are gods. But the G here, thank God for the NIV, they use the capital G. Who in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But made himself nothing. Now, this is what it means for him to be found in the womb of Mary. Are we together? He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in what? He was made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man. He appeared as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient even to death. Even the death of a criminal on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. So his very nature is God. Hallelujah. But he appeared. First Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, he appeared. He manifested. He appeared. First Timothy 3 verse 16. God appeared in human nature. Beyond all questions, the mystery of godliness is great. He what? Some translations say he manifested. Right? He appeared. He manifested. He what? He shows himself. Yes. He manifested in the flesh. Justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on the world, on in the world, received up in glory. He manifested. So he didn't started in the he, he didn't start rather in the womb of Mary, but he only manifested in the womb of Mary. So what happened at in the womb of Mary was a manifestation of the divine. It wasn't actually the birth of the divine. So Jesus was only manifested in the flesh. Because he existed before the foundation of this world. So what we have in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is a proof of his humanity in Christ. That his humanity, rather, is a proof that he, in a, at a point in time in history, he existed. They give us a historic account and facts about the man called Jesus. They even gave us his village, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. Not because there were many Jesuses. Even at this time, there could be many Jesuses. Jesus, Jesus is the name Joshua, right? There are many Joshua during his time. So he only manifested in the flesh. And specifically, there is a Jesus, that Jesus, particular Jesus, Jesus from Nazareth. His birth, biological family, 
His life, his works, and his ministry, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension is recorded for us in the four Gospels for us to have facts and evidences of his humanity. Without this truth, our Christian faith will be a false, a falsehood. These are pivotal history events without which there will be no Christianity. You deny the humanity of Jesus Christ, you deny the concept of salvation, you deny the idea that you are forgiven of your sins, you deny the fact that you are eternally saved and forgiven. In fact, what you do is that you deny the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus Christ is 100% God and 100% man. How? That's the greatest miracle. Humanity and divinity coming into one place. In fact, right from the foundation of the world, this was the plan of God. This was the intent of God. That is why you, right, have the divine, divine in you. Though you are human, but the same, we see that union in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So Jesus, the son of God, you see in John chapter 10, verse 33 to 36, you see where Jesus is referring himself to the son of God. Jesus also referred to himself as a son of man. So is he confused about his identity? Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He used the son of man 84 times by Jesus himself in the gospels. 84 times, referring himself to the son of man. So if Jesus, some people say, ah, but Jesus says he's the son of man. But he is also the son of God. So is there any contradiction in his identity? Is he 50% God and 50% man? No. He is 100% man and 100% God. Because if he's 50% man, then he wouldn't have died 100%. Are we together? So, the miracle is the, 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 the divine becoming in the human. The union that is codified. These two expressions, the son of God and the son of man, are not a contradiction of his identity, but rather the fusion of his divine nature and his humanity. So, is he the son of man? Yes. Is he the son of God? Yes. Hallelujah. So why must God become man? How important is it that God has no alternative than man, than God becoming man? Why must God become man? So that he can die. Simple. He must become man so that he can die to forgive our sins. So the appearance of Jesus in the human form is to the end that man will be saved. So why did he become man? So that he can die. Why did he become man? It's for the sake of men he became man. Was there a need for him to become man? Yes. What is the need? The forgiveness of our sins. If there was no sin, would he become man? I doubt. I doubt. I didn't say no or yes. I doubt. That's my personal. I doubt. If there was no sin, I doubt whether God would become man. I doubt. Because what would be the need? Are we together? I doubt. It's my thoughts. It's not in scriptures, but I doubt if he will become man. But because there was sin, then there was a need 
for restoration of what man has caused because sin came through men into the world. So man introduced sin. To take away sin, it must take the effort of God alone. Only God can take away sin. Because if man can take away sin, then he could have just sent one of his, one of those apostles would have died because that's why they say that, uh, that at the crucifixion, Jesus was replaced with one of the apostles. That's what they say. And it's not true. They said Jesus was replaced and then there was a, a movie trick that God did. That means that God is a liar. Right? That he has to perform a miracle. Remove Jesus. Jesus never died. And then he put one of the apostles. So the apostle was killed in the place of Jesus. That's not true. In fact, you will never see that recorded in any of the holy books. Except that book. Because it's not true. That's a lie. So, it must take the effort of God alone to deal with sin. But God is spirit. So, how can he deal with sin? Because what is the consequences of sin? It's death. And only man can die. So, for God to deal with sin, he must become man so that he will die for sin. Simple mathematics. It's not hard to understand. So if you have children, that's how you teach them. Right? As basic as this. Therefore, God must become man to take away sin. You can see this in Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 19. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 to 19. Since all mankind and all creation is defected, is infected, is defected, the Savior of mankind must come, but not from this world. Jesus came from above. So what we saw or what we see happen in the womb of Mary is the manifestation of God in a, human, in a human form. The only way to remedy the situation of man is to pay the penalty for his crime. The wages of sin is death. God had to become a man to save man. Without accepting the truth of his humanity that he is, that is his existence as human in an early physical body. His death, his burial, his resurrection will be a lie. Therefore, Christianity will become baseless and a fraud if he was never a man. If the miracle of Christmas, Jesus born, in the, Jesus manifesting the womb of Mary didn't happen, then all of us here will have been tricked into a lie. Hallelujah. This is the Christian message. God manifested in a human flesh to save humanity from sin. That is the message of this season. That is what we should go on with. We believe the message for our salvation. Are we together? We must believe this message for our salvation. That the God, the God, not a God, the God of the universe, the God that created the heavens and the earth became man so that he will save man from destruction. That was the only way he could do it. If there was a way, he could have done it. That was the only way. That was the heart and the only way. Perhaps he could have wiped us all and condemned all of us then he is not love then. But because of his nature as love, 
he decided to come in the form of a man, live in this world, and then terrible things were done to him, and then to the point of dying on the cross, so that you and I can come to a point that we'll be free from the guilt and the consequences of sins. And if you are here and then you are here for the first time to celebrate Christmas, maybe someone invited you, come to our church, we have Christmas team service. This is what Christmas is. And what do we do with this truth? We believe in this truth. What does it mean to believe in this truth? We agree that Jesus came as a man. We agree that he suffered on the earth as a man. We agree that he died for our sins, for my sins. That I will be forgiven. We agree that he was a substitutionary sacrifice for me. He died in my place. The reason of his birth is that he will die. He was born to die. He was born so that he would die. Not only that he would die, that he will resurrect. Not only that he will resurrect, that he will ascend. Not only that he will ascend, is that he will dwell in you. That is the message of Christmas. So do you believe? Because if you don't believe this message, you are eternally condemned. You are judged already. But if you choose to believe, what you do is that you are eternally safe. That is how easy to believe. Agreeing with what he has done. That he did it for you. And for us that have believed, we have a responsibility. What is our responsibility? To tell it on the mountain, to the nations, to the world that God manifested. He became man and died so that he will forgive sins. Hallelujah. So if you are here and you are wondering, how will I believe? Just close your eyes. All of us, let's close our eyes and pray. Just speak to God and say, I believe in this message. I believe in this truth that you became a man. I believe in this message of Christmas. I believe in the idea that Jesus came and died for my sins. I Thank you for listening to our sermon today. We hope you were blessed by this teaching. If you want to learn more about our church, please visit our website or follow us on social media. We would love to connect with you and hear your feedback. 